1: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860. It's a beautiful day here in Balakinwood, Kinwood, and uh, I'm thrilled about our guest this afternoon, and I want to introduce her to you. Her name is Karen griffith Griga. Karen is... The managing partner of Dreamit Ventures, which is a technology uh, accelerator for entrepreneurs. And before we bring Karen on the air, we will be checking in with Dr. Dupree, who is joining us from Holy Redeemer Hospital, as she does every week. I'm happy to have her here, and I always want to say thank you to Holy Redeemer for supporting Women to Watch and being our core sponsor. Welcome to the show, Beth. Hey, Susan, how you doing? I'm good, I'm good. I'm anxious to hear about your weekend. I understand you had a big
2: celebration with the family over the weekend. Yes, we did. And and first of all, I'm loving our 3 o'clock time. It's a lot easier to uh, make my operating room um, time stretch out a little bit. So today I actually was breathing and ate my lunch slowly. Oh, good. So um, (laughs) I I love our new time slot, so 3 to 4 is working great for me. Good, I'm glad. uh, Thanks for asking about My mother, Helena, turns 90 years old tomorrow, and all of my sisters, the six of us, um, came in from out of town, and we celebrated uh, with my mom and dad on Saturday, and it was an absolutely lovely day. Um, I've talked to you before and told you that my mom has Alzheimer's, so we get good days and bad days, and Saturday was just an amazing day, as my sister who lives in Australia would say... Um, mom was really switched on on Saturday, so it was a beautiful day. The uh, 90 roses that I ordered for her arrived, and so the roses were from all of uh, all of us and my dad, so that my mom could look at them every time she looked at them, and they were like they were newly delivered, Aww. and she was very excited because she loves her roses, so. It was um, it was a beautiful weekend, and um, I got to stay. Because my parents' family house is no longer there, obviously. They're, they're, my mom's in a nursing home, and my, my dad lives in a retirement community. We were able to stay at a gorgeous bed and breakfast. So if anybody is ever traveling to York, Pennsylvania, um, you should stay at the Emig Mansion. It was amazing. And Bill and Lori were the uh, the hosts of this phenomenally... Uh, restored old mansion in york pennsylvania i've driven past it you know all of my life but it was so gorgeous each of the rooms was like unique and um it, it just made for a really special weekend because uh, we had seven of the rooms in the house booked out so it was pretty much our own personal mansion for uh, for the weekend and we had a really great time there and, and they still like us even after we left the so week we didn't do too badly <laughs> you didn't cause too much of a ruckus i hope not i hope not and um it, it's kind of funny because i you know susan you know i, I check my um medical news very frequently because i'm always trying to stay up on everything and This morning, as I was coming in, my I was listening to MMR because my kids were guests. uh, They weren't guests. They were they were at uh, Preston and Steve's show, hanging out with them because it was it was a uh, fundraising thing. I purchased um, about a couple months ago. So I was listening to MMR and I was uh, on my iPhone. So I wasn't paying as much attention to my iPhone and. I opened it up, and I got my little feed from MedPage Today, and it says, Morning Break, Too Much Sex, Women, and Alzheimer's. And that's all I read. And I said, oh, my gosh, Um, too much sex causes Alzheimer's to women. I'm like, please, dear God, let me not have this be true. So um, what I did was I clicked onto the page then for the, the too much sex, and it was actually an article in the New York Times. It's called The Joy of Just the Right Amount of Sex. And basically they did a study looking at, Um, relationships and stable couples and you know basically everybody's kind of in their own groove and what they what they came out at the end of the study was that if people were forced to have more sex than the, than what their normal rhythm was, like what whatever was good for the couple, that they were they actually became less happy. So, you know, it's almost like too much of a good thing. So I, I read it, and I, and I went the whole way to the end of the article, and I go, it didn't say anything in here at all about Alzheimer's, which then made me think, oh my God, do I have it? Um, and so I went back, and I, I looked at the uh, they, what they do on MedPage. They, they put three little sniblets in the in the title to get you to read it and obviously it worked because i read it right and um so then i i pulled up the study on alzheimer's which because my mom's diagnosis it's obviously something that i you know pay very much attention to and what they were looking at was that you know why two-thirds of all americans that get alzheimer's are women i mean why are women more susceptible than men and Here's a scary statistic that I didn't know until I read this: one in six women will be diagnosed with Alzheimer's at the age of, you know, at the age of 65, as opposed to one in 11 men. Which it's kind of scary because that's a higher incidence than we even have for breast cancer. Mm. So they, they gave a couple different uh, hints as to why. They said maybe more men die of heart disease at a younger age, so they're not there to get it. And um, there's a gene, the APOE four gene which is associated with Alzheimer's, they think that there might be some type of a relationship with estrogen and estrogen replacement. So I'm gonna do a little bit more digging into that because obviously it's something that, you know, every time I forget something, I think of it. And then my husband reminds me that I have a hundred things on my list and I shouldn't get so crazy because yeah, don't be I so am hard on yourself. asking. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you know, you, you get up at, you know, five in the morning, you go, you operate for seven hours and you do a radio show and then you do a conference call and then you go to a meeting and then you come home and go to the gym he's like you're allowed to forget a few things yeah i hope so um, i hope so because i'm the queen of that i have a terrible uh, memory i know i know and uh my uh my boys are on the second leg of their fabulous day um this i i typically donate to charities that I love, and when they have experiences, I'm a sucker for it, so um, my sons are going to be uh, watching Comedy Central Live today with Jon Stewart. They're big fans, so they're up in Manhattan, you know, living the life of Riley, and I'm working... And well, do you think the they're listening? With you. Do you think they're listening to uh, us? You know what? I would certainly hope that they're listening to me because they do have uh, smartphones. But I doubt that if I quiz them on what my <laughs> opening topics were of the show, unless they actually go onto the downloaded uh, version of the podcast, they, they might not it, want to discuss
1: that with you anyway.
2: Yeah, but I, I do. I still have to say that I was very happy that. Too much sex, women, and Alzheimer's was not connected in one clinical study because there are a lot of women out there that would be saying to their husbands, listen, honey, you know, you don't want me to forget, do you? So <laughs> I can hear we, Karen we have to laughing. have a little negotiation. Yeah. <laughs> but Karen, you're probably wondering what you're doing on the show now. but. Uh.
1: <laughs> well, you know what, Karen, I, wanted, I can hear you laughing. and, and, and You know what, any, any news that Beth shares with us is always good news. And, and I was wondering if you might even be familiar with MedPage because I know that you work with um, you know, several health companies and businesses in the work that you do. Uh,
3: yeah, I'm familiar with it. We, um, we operate a program called Dream at Health and with dream and health we work specifically with healthcare IT and medical device companies uh and so there's a lot of different sources of healthcare information that we're trying to keep on on top of right so well, it's all good
1: yeah well, you know, um, Beth, this might be a good opportunity to bring Karen in. And I just want to, for the listeners, a couple of things I want to mention. Uh, we are joined today by Karen Griffith-Greiga. She is the managing partner of Dream Adventures, which is a technology accelerator for entrepreneurs. Um, before we start, I also want to give our phone number in case you're listening and you'd like to call in with questions for either Dr. Dupree or Karen. Our call in number is 888 888- Three two nine thirty three zero six, And also you can uh, always tune in and, and hear any of our podcasts At womentowatch.net uh, After the show So Karen, welcome to the show today Well thanks so much for having me I really appreciate it I'm we, excited. I, well, we are, too. Beth and I both, you know, are, we have a lot of questions about the work that you do. I find it really interesting, you know, angel investors and venture capitalists. And, you know, it's a it's an area I'm not that um, adept in. And uh, so I do have a lot of questions about your work, um, especially when it comes to the health industry. But I want to start a little bit with your background, as, you know, we always do here on Women to Watch, and find out about your years growing up in Chad's Pennsylvania.
3: yeah so um chadsford that at the time when i was growing up there was pretty rural uh and so our you know the area drew from a very large area so in my middle school it could be a long distance phone call between friends believe it or not
1: I do believe it. Um, (laughs) Same era.
3: (laughs) So as you might be aware, you know, Kennett Square is the mushroom capital uh, pretty much of the world. So I grew up with mushrooms and to this day still don't really like them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was not aware of that. I did not know
3: that. Oh, well, you know, uh, obviously a lot of people love
1: mushrooms, but mushroom houses are not a beautiful thing. Well, I know there's a you know, and I did read something recently. I don't know if either of you women know the um, the great benefit to mushrooms. I and gosh, I oh I I
2: do. What is it, Beth? Yeah. Well, there's. There's a lot of, I mean, in traditional Chinese medicine, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of data to, to show that there is a medicinal purposes or medicinal value in different types of mushrooms. You know, the maitake, the re, the reishi, um, and so there's there are a lot of different uses for it because they think it have, it has something to do with immune modulation. So, um, a lot of people take mushroom supplementation. So I I take reishi myself because mm-hmm. it's been shown in. You know, in, in some of the studies in translational medicine to make a difference in, in breast cancer prevention, but you know, eating mushrooms is, is something I happen to love. Mushrooms and they're they're the funniest looking things in the world. They, you know, when I was young, I used to think they're so dirty and disgusting. Like, why would right. we eat them? Except, <laughs> you know, the ones that came in a can were nice and clean, but they didn't have any flavor. Right. So, yeah. Um, I've grown up a lot and now I do know that there there are a many different medicinal purposes for mushrooms in the world, so well
1: now it's we know cool. where to go to get some good ones. Yeah. Kenneth Square. <laughs>
2: Pennsylvania. The mushroom capital of the world. There you go. I, I <laughs> did I did know that fact that it was the mushroom capital of the world. That oh, was one of the little tidbits tucked away just in case I ever had it on Jeopardy or something. Thank
1: you. See I learned something new every week on this show. I love it. Um, so, Karen, tell me, yeah, tell me about your family growing up. I know you were the youngest of three, and, uh, your dad was a research chemist for Sun Oil, and I believe your mom was a homemaker, and what was life like back then? What was life like? Uh,
3: life, life was good. Uh, we had a nice, cohesive family group. Of course, you know, my brother and I fought like cats and dogs which is typical, I think, for a family dynamic. Mhm. But, you know, we it, it, it was a nice luxury that my mom was the homemaker in the sense that you know, we had a very calm uh environment to grow up in. And we did a lot of stuff together as a family, including traveling and family discussions and a lot of different things we we're involved with, you know, pretty simple. Uh, you know, my mom grew up kind of influenced by her family and the impacts of the depression. So my family very much was into, you know, keeping things simple and not being too consumer driven, mm-hmm. uh, respecting education, giving back and, uh, pursuing whatever
1: passions drive you and those are all yeah those are all good values to to grow up with and it wasn't the craziness like it is today
3: in terms of sports and activities and so forth yes and you know i can say that because i'm a lacrosse mom so you know we're my daughter and i are all over the place with lacrosse tournaments and it's just kind of the way it is today yeah well, but back then, it
1: was, you know, reasonable. Right. Um, we're both, uh, Beth and I are both sports moms, so we can relate to that. It's hectic. It's it's a lot more hectic than back in the day when, you know, your yeah. team was just in your neighborhood and you didn't travel across the state for games.
2: Yeah, my, I was, my mom was a stay-at-home mom as well with the exact same values, very simple. Both my parents grew up on farms and, you know, really my dad, particularly encourage us to follow our passion to follow what we love to do in life and he still does he's 86 years old and he's still reminding me of that every single day and um, i was the only one that really played sports in my family um, for a long period of time and i i mean for my parents to come to my high school sports that was kind of a big deal but parents now start from a very very young age and it is every you know it's weeknight practices it's the weekend travel my niece is actually in ohio right now because my great nephew is in the at nationals for volleyball and he's um i think he's 15 years 14 years old i mean so you're and then they go to pepperdine in two weeks so he can go to to volleyball camp so your your life is really you know created surrounding your kids sports schedules
3: yeah, it's true. My mom says to me all the time, you know, you don't have to go to every game, Karen. Mm-hmm. We, we would only go to a couple. And it's very true what you said.
1: You know, Karen, I in reading your profile, I know that sports was um, a big deal for you back in high school. And, and one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was whether or not you felt that playing sports as a young girl um, helped you to to come out of your shell, so to speak. I, I know that uh, you know you were shy as a young girl, and certainly um, what's led to your success has a lot to do with the confidence that you built over the years. But I wonder if it began playing sports. I think it did. Um, I was painfully shy
3: through sophomore year in high school. I was, you know, very strong academically and very involved musically. But I started exploring sports, and I think it really did increase my confidence in myself. So I did all kinds of different stuff. I started lifting weights. I started running. I played lacrosse um, and did some cheerleading as well. And it, it was great. I, it. I just I discovered that I loved the physical aspect of things. I loved the interaction with the other people, and yeah, I think it it really did force me out of my shell.
1: And it probably I, I, and yeah. the more I engaged, the more I liked it. And I'm assuming it you know it helped with your body image of of yourself as well.
3: Yeah, I've always ever since sophomore year in high school. I like feeling strong and it did give me confidence. It's, yeah, it's something that's, and I'm one of those people that I, I love, I love that feeling. I'm not one of those that says, Oh God, I have to work out. I actually love that feeling of being in shape and being strong. And I remember, you know, coming out of sophomore year, just kind of shedding that skin like you know what I'm good I need to go out there
1: yeah and it was like overnight (laughs) that's wonderful I, I wanted to ask you I know you made a decision about that you know you really kind of came to a place where you said I I would like to be more outgoing and I'm just going to go for it And I think it's interesting. I I do find that sports, any physical activity, is really good, especially for young girls, Um, certainly for boys as well. But there's something about young girls, and I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, it made you feel good to be strong. You know, physical strength helps your emotional and mental strength as well. I think, too, it's
3: that process of any time when you're involved with sports, there's a discipline associated with it. And you're, you're pushing yourself not only physically but also mentally. So you're stretching yeah. yourself. And, and it's part of that confidence building, but it's the fact that, you know, I didn't think I could do this and I can do it. Right. Yeah. right. And it just
2: I, I enables you that, to that do that yeah. in all your areas. Right, right. That that discipline gives you a competitive edge. In I, I think it does in everything that you do, whether it's business or health. I mean, whatever whatever your profession is, I think having played sports competitively, because you know that you have to train to be good, you have to show up with your A game, um, and you know that a lot of it's not the physical challenge; it's the mental challenge of believing that you can win or succeed and so i I do think that playing sports is a really you know it's something very positive in you know for for women no matter what they want to do in life to succeed i I just think it's a great you know it's a great way to to gain that experience
1: i agree i agree
3: And you you nailed it on the head i mean life is a mental game
2: that's right yep Speaking of mental games, I've got to tell Karen what happened. Karen, I was reading your bio in the car on the way back from my mom's um, birthday party yesterday, and my two sons, both engineers, are sitting in the front seat listening to a podcast that the guys do that um, write in this magazine called Make. And so I'm reading this, and I'm—I was reading your bio, and it says entering the stem field in 1980s. I'm thinking, what is she doing in stem cell research? Because to me, <laughs> as a physician, you know, I'm looking at the—you know—I'm looking at the uh, at the acronym, and then my sons go, "Mom, it's science, technology, engineering, and mathematics." Like, as if to say, "Yo, mother, like, how could how could you have given birth to us, these stem kids, and you don't even know this?" And then this morning, I, I had a patient's daughter talking to me in between, you know, in between surgeries, after she knew her mom was fine, and I was asking her about her kids, she goes, "Yeah, my son's in a STEM magnet program." I go, "How come I learned yesterday what STEM is, and today I'm finding out about these kids that are in a STEM magnet program?" So I had no idea, but I, I too was a STEM child. I just didn't know that I was one, <laughs> which I think is kind of funny.
1: Everything today is an ac- is an acronym. I know what acronym. This? There you go, acronym. Everything. You know, we're, we have to learn a whole new language.
3: Yeah. Well, to be fair, STEM is a more recent acronym. It really is really within
1: the past couple of years. It is, it is. And you know, but they, I didn't know it, but Beth didn't know <laughs> it, and she's and she is one of them. And you know what? It's but in- I did get involved in stem cells
3: early because I froze my daughter's stem cells in '97. <gasps>
2: wow. wow! Which was early. That's
3: okay. Yeah, that's pretty cool. What made you do I had that? It- well, you know, I've been involved in entrepreneurial activities my whole professional career. So I I heard about it and saw some, inf- you know, I'm always reading leading-edge technology stuff. So I, I, you know, got some information on it, and I kind of thought, all right, I have insurance on my engagement ring and my wedding band. Why wouldn't I have insurance on my child? And to me, stem cell was some form of you know health insurance for my child.
2: Wow, that was forward so thinking, and and kudos to whoever you know because you know what you have to think about it before you have the before you give birth to know to do it, you know, to even think about it. So somebody, you know, you did you approach your doctors about it, or did somebody offer it oh, yeah. to you?
3: No, I I saw information on it and uh, approached my doctors about doing it. In fact after the birth they were running in and out of the room to go check the, the video at the time as to instructing them how to do it
2: wow that's a, yeah but kudos that they did it cuz there are a lot of places that could have just said listen you know this isn't something that we participate in and we're sorry but but the fact that they actually did it for you is that's that's huge and God yeah, I will it was never pretty need
1: cool that, you know? <laughs> Hopefully not yeah, and ahead of the you know ahead of the times.
3: Yeah, I was really nervous that you know they didn't do it properly and it wouldn't work, but fortunately they did and it worked out really well.
1: Karen, how many children do you have?
3: I have two kids. You do. I have a seventeen-year-old daughter who's a rising senior, mm-hmm. and a thirteen-year-old
1: son who's a rising eighth grader. Okay. And and I'm sure that they're interested in the work that you do. Is it something that you talk to the kids about? I do. Um, in fact, what's really nice about
3: Dream it is we have a framework that's very event-oriented. So the time when we work with an entrepreneur is a very concentrated time period for our accelerator portion. So for technology companies, we work with them for three months. And for healthcare IT companies, we work for, with them, sorry, for four months. So we have a kickoff weekend. We have speakers throughout the program and then we have what's called a demo day. And so I bring my kids in for all those events as, as much as I can. And they love being in the office because it's all about the next generation stuff. And plus the office is cool. It's like whiteboards everywhere and Legos and all kinds of crazy stuff. So they love coming into the office and exploring. And I make them go around and talk to the different companies and find out what they're doing
1: and, you know, ask questions. That's what a great uh, experience for them.
2: Yeah, they love it. It's almost like doing a co-op if if my kids are listening they may ask to be adopted for a couple of days because they always know you know you can't build it till you dream it and when they you know they're they're my children have lived on every website and television show about anything that you can make, create. They, they, they. Even when they cook in the kitchen, they're measuring with a scale instead of a measuring cup because Alton Brown measures by the, you know, by the ounce, not by the cup. So um, they've they've always taken it. And you know what? It's, it's just the way you're wired. And I, I love. I was perusing your website. And it's just so neat because you, you've covered the gamut. I mean, I, love, I sent the, my CEO the, the link to Dreamit Health because, you know, there are so many things that are out there that I think you guys could, that, are, that you're doing that are so fascinating. And the fact that there's a company in our own backyard that's actually out there trying to help foster these younger companies so that we can get this technology out faster and have it available. So it's so cool.
3: Yeah, I'm lucky. I, I absolutely love what I do.
1: Karen, I was wondering if you happen to know the statistics on how many people are actually becoming entrepreneurs today, starting their own businesses as opposed to years ago, because certainly we're reading about it more. We're seeing it more. And with the change in the economy, uh, I was just curious to know that. Do you you have statistics on that? I don't have
3: specific statistics on that, but I do agree with you. In fact, you know, the Recessionary dynamic has occurred on a number of occasions, meaning when jobs start slowing down, uh, entrepreneurial activity does um, pick up. And that's been consistent over the past couple of decades. However, right now we're in an era where there is a focus on being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we are laughing about it in Dream It because – you know, when we were in college, it was always the athletes and the, you know, cheerleaders and whatever that were the big figures, you know. And yeah. these days, it's the entrepreneur. Right. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. And right. what has happened, the dynamic that's really driven that is the fact that it is so much more reasonable in terms of cost to launch a business Mm -hmm. today. Right, because of technology. Because of technology and because the open source of the web Mm -hmm. and Amazon web services where you don't have to buy servers. You just pay pennies for storage. Right. Um, And the openness of various technologies, be it Facebook and Google, where you can actually figure out your value prop, figure out your target uh, customer, and start testing different things, all for very little capital. That's right. So, you know, and you couple that with the open information that's available today. I mean, you have all kinds of... Experienced entrepreneurs sharing their stories and their lessons, and they've seen the growth of Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. And you kind of bring all these influences together, and there's been a very dramatic growth in entrepreneurial activity. Yeah,
2: but it at the same time, like I'm sorry, Beth, you guys go ahead. Have, no, it just sounds like you guys have found a way. I mean, I, I, I am actually helping three different, what I call, startups in healthcare. You know, one is for uh, a, a program and an app with nutrition and wellness. Another one is a device for um, anxiety, depression, insomnia. A third one's a device with lymphedema. And as I was reading your stuff yesterday, I'm thinking, you know what, these guys have probably been, you know, kind of treading water for, you know, a, a year and a half when, you know, had I known that you existed and now I do know you exist, it's something that you say, you know what, if you can accelerate this process, and to me, if you've got a great technology that's going to impact patients' lives, the faster you can get it to market and get it out to the consumers, the better they are, because for the, these these two technologies are ones that are going to really Benefit and help patients immensely, and you know I don't. You know we're just going down for the Department of Defense to do something with the FDA in in July. But I'm thinking I need. I think we need to meet you guys. I, I, actually, I probably to meet Elliot because he's your MD PhD. Since you you are um, one of the Dream It funds, I, I realize you guys have all these great divisions, and you may not even like the healthcare division, but. I happen to be in healthcare, so I have to I have to kind of figure out that Elliot might have to become my best buddy if that's going to happen. Well, but. we've we've got a whole team of
3: people, so um, I actually was the one that launched Dream at Health, both in Philadelphia ah, and Oh, well, there you go. So <laughs> my um, guess is she's and, a fan. <laughs> yeah, Elliot and I have a joke that I birthed a child for him because it took me nine months <laughs> to really. Um, Pull everything together and launch the program and then literally kick off weekend. I handed it over to him, and I cried, right, because it was nine months of my effort. And I'm like, here you
1: go. Yeah.
0: You <laughs> better raise this child
1: well. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Karen, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. And when we come back, I want to talk more about your work experience and share with the listeners um, the the career that you have had over the years. We'll be right back. everyone to this week of Women to Watch. We are joined this afternoon by Karen Griffith Greiga, and Karen is the managing partner of Dream Adventures, which is a technology accelerator for entrepreneurs. Um, Karen, I'm, you know I'm awfully impressed with your background and your experience, and I want the listeners um, to understand that you, where you come from, and and uh, the degrees that you received. You did get an MBA in decision analysis, which I want to ask you what that is and a master's in computer science both from Penn here in Philadelphia. Um, so my first question, what is what is decision analysis?
3: It's uh, decision sciences. So it's really the incorporation of a rational analysis framework in order to make decisions. So it involves a lot of statistics and probability, as well as the inclusion of unexpected events to really develop a rational framework for decision making
1: Wow 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 yeah, yeah. so when you um, when you were in those classes um, how, what was the ratio of, of women to men in that major
3: <laughs> well it's funny you asked that you know I grew up with math and computer science mm-hmm and there weren't really that many women in that. So I kind of developed this gender blind eye and it's never really something I've paid attention to, to be honest, which is kind of ironic because I, you know, launched Dream at Athena, which is an entrepreneurial program focused on female founders. So if I were to really think back on it, hmm... Maybe 75-25 or 80-20. Well, but, I mean, so many of my computer science classes, I was used to it being one or two
1: women and all the rest men. Right. Well, I love that it didn't – so, you know, that was the case. You didn't necessarily dwell on it. Um, you just did the work that you needed to do. And, you know, I hear that, I hear that often from women who are in, as we talked about, the STEM field – Early on, not not today, and that they were in the minority as far as men to women, but it, it seemed to be an advantage, or or maybe just not um, not an issue at all. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, my philosophy has always been one about
3: meritocracy. Right, you you do a good job, you do the work, and the rest doesn't really matter. Now. It's interesting because as far as entrepreneurs go, the, the statistic bears out differently, that there is some probably unconscious biases, mm-hmm. um, but it's only been recently that I've really wanted to embrace and ad- address that fact. Prior to that, what worked for me was just like, hey... I'm smart, I work hard, I'm interested in that,
1: you know in this
3: field, nothing else matters
1: Yeah, that's a really good point Yeah, that's a really good point because I think that um, so while those unconscious biases certainly existed there wasn't any attention being paid to it, so there were no discussions there were no panel events there were no, you know, research papers and articles being done about it and You know, it's an interesting topic whether how much, you know, we should pay attention to it or how much we should just go about the work that we're doing and let it speak for itself as far as women. Well, you know, I used to 100% believe
3: that and actually, you know, find great amusement in the situations where I found myself to be in a biased situation because I would just use humor to turn the situation around, but there is a lot of research into this unconscious bias Mm -hmm. aspect where people aren't really even aware of the different frameworks that they're applying to the different genders. And you couple that with the fact that there are some tendencies that women have that tend to be handicaps that... We need to be aware
2: of these things in order to change them. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's, this is all about the emotional intelligence quotient again, because we we are different. We are wired differently, and so I think a lot of it comes in out, out as how we how we're perceived is also how we uh, put out that message. So there, that's I think that's something that's really um, prevalent in in businesses that we just we do things differently and our leadership styles may be different. Well,
3: there's a lot to it. For instance, there's one item that I was explicitly addressing in our inaugural Dream at Athena program. And the media likes to call it the confidence gap. I call it the bravado gap. Uh-huh. So it's probably most easily exemplified by HP had an effort to increase the ranks of females in its executives. When they put a job out that had 10 qualifications, men applied when they had 6, women applied when they had 10. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yep. So there's something in us, be it uh, genetic or environmental, that says, no, you have to be 100%, 110% there in order to go for it. Versus men have a different framework.
2: Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not wanting to fail too. You know, maybe it, it may be that if you if you feel that you you have all the qualifications that you're that you're definitely you know much more willing, to, much more able to succeed. But I you know I do. That's it's like the guy walk. It's like a, it's kind of like a a homely guy walking up to a babe with the confidence to ask him out. But a gorgeous woman may be timid about walking up to a guy that's like eh, mediocre. Because there's, and it is it is bravado. I love, I love that word bravado because that's what it is. It's like having, you know, um, having that uh, uncanny ability to, you know, to pull that energy from someplace else and just go with it, so. So with my female
3: founders, we called it the 60% rule. When you're
1: mm-hmm. 60% there, you go for it. Love it. And don't hold back. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it, it's, it's also that I, I love the expression, um, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. So, you, you know, you don't necessarily have to be 100% fully prepared to try something or ask for something or um, jump in. Um,
3: well, that is certainly true, but then there's all kinds of ancillary effects. So, for instance, there is a job promotion. If you apply at 60%, people know you're interested. So you might not be ready, but people might start grooming you to be ready because they know you're interested.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Um, Karen, you mentioned the an Athena program. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. So at Dreamit,
3: um, we looked at the statistics associated with female entrepreneurs, And female entrepreneurs are grossly underrepresented in the investment portfolios of angel investors and venture capitalists. So women make up half of the workforce today. Women are starting up over a third of all businesses. Yet 97% of venture-backed companies are led by a male. And in fact, 88% of venture-backed companies have no
1: females in the executive wow. team. But this is, this is changing though, right? I'm, I'm sure you're seeing this. It's ch- changing. Yep. It's changing. Yep. But
3: it, we have a long way to go. And some of it is on the part of the female entrepreneurs. Some of it is this unconscious bias. Mm-hmm. Some of it is the challenge within the STEM field. Uh, it it all combines together. So Dream of Athena is a program that I put together that was um, supported by the state of Pennsylvania through its D2PA program, which is discovered in Pennsylvania, developed in Pennsylvania. And the grant was important because we have our theory as to what would have the biggest implications for female founders, but it was only that. And we needed the grant and support to really launch our inaugural program. So um, mm-hmm. we launched it in January, and the focus was kind of developing programming to address two structural issues and two what I call personality-based issues in order to improve the probability of women entrepreneurs
2: getting angel
3: and venture financing
2: wow was it your idea to uh name it after the goddess of wisdom it was i love it although i have to say i
3: came out with some other names that that weren't as strongly supported
2: wonder (laughs) woman or uh, (laughs)
3: wonder woman project or well let's go back to your introductory comment so my the name that i fell upon that i love um, had to do with the chromosomes, right? So it was, Yeah. my original idea was dream at double X. I love that. <laughs> so people, people thought of other things
2: when, oh, when yeah, they heard
3: I'm dream sure. it double X. That could be it was misinterpreted.
2: A, <laughs> yeah, you might have been in the yeah. film business there.
3: <laughs> yeah, so that, you know, when the, the the quietest person on our team on a group call said, after a dead silence, Karen, that's not what I think
2: about when I hear <laughs> Dream at Double X. Yeah.
3: I knew that the name had to change.
2: <laughs> okay. Karen, I, I'm in a very male-dominated field, as you can imagine, and there are times when uh, you know, some of my colleagues may say things that you know, I would consider a bonehead comment, and I'll always look at whoever was on the receiving end and say, you know what? he's missing a leg with his chromosome, you've got to give him a chance. <laughs> you know, we we've got both of our legs to stand on and both of our chromosomes. So they're just they're doing the best they can with what they got. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> Karen, it's you know, I, I would love for you to share um, one of your favorite success stories uh, that Dream Adventures has been involved with. I've read about a lot of different companies that you've worked with, and I wonder if one stands out in your mind um, as one of your favorite.
3: Oh, God, that's a hard one. You know, that's like trying to pick among your children what's your favorite. Right. Um <laughs>
2: Or maybe a <laughs> recent.
3: So I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll talk about. Um, oh gosh, one of our companies that actually graduated from our inaugural Dream and in Health program. It's a company called Biome, and it was um, two scientists and a business person that had a prototype when they came into our program, and we helped them really do. Uh, product market fit, market discovery, as well as launch with some of their initial customers. And what it is is a medical device that attaches to a smartphone and turns the smartphone into a mobile DNA diagnostic tool. Mm. So what would take typically 48 to 78, 72 hours in a central lab in what's called a PCR machine could now be done in 20 to 40 minutes bedside on site.
0: You're wow!
1: Kidding. Wow! So okay, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah,
3: fantastic!
1: Wow! Is this a company so up and running? Or? Or? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They're okay. they're they're based here in Philadelphia.
2: What's their website? I have to check them out. This is a very cool. You know, I'm, I'm all into PCR, so
3: just Google Biome B. You... B I O M is
1: Mary E M is Mary E. Okay, Got wow, it. that's interesting. I'm on it. Yeah, I want to check that out too. You're you're cool. you must be up and yeah, on at all anything current. You're you're in the midst of. I think, wow, what an exciting job to meet these. You know, and I don't want to say young people, but people. You know, I just find entrepreneurs to be a rare breed. Um, they have a certain spirit to them. And you get to meet these people from all different walks of life and learn a great deal at the same time you're helping them.
3: Yeah, it's, you know, being an entrepreneur, it's, it's the best of worlds, and it's the worst of worlds.
1: <laughs> it's the time. scariest. Like, yeah, it's scary. Well,
3: it's just, you know, it's a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. You
1: can
3: think one day you're on top of the world, and the next day questioning everything. Why am I doing this? Because it's yeah. not easy. But, yeah, it's, I mean, the people that are true entrepreneurs are incredible. And, you know, I'm lucky at it because all of us have been entrepreneurs in our background. Right. And so you know really you need that kind of expertise and experience in order to work with startup companies because they they yeah. need so
1: much it really takes a guidance they do real yeah. world yeah real world experience
2: Karen one yeah. of your one of the things in your uh, story that I, I really I want to know the story behind it is let's stick wisdom because <laughs> usually when somebody starts a foundation or an organization or do, to do something to you know, it, this this to me is something that has to come from your heart. So, can you tell us about lipstick wisdom? Sure. So, um, after being in the venture
3: field for 14 years, I wanted to walk the walk myself. Um, all the venture capitalists I had most admired had startup businesses. So. Um, I have a I have a child. My 13 year old son has you know neurological challenges. He has pretty severe learning issues, pretty severe ADD, and couple that with a little anxiety, and you know it's it's he's a great kid. He's a happy kid, but you know things aren't easy for him, and things aren't easy for me as a mom um, because. You just have to try to develop this framework to understand your child to help them out. So the concept behind Lipstick Wisdom was basically, um, at the time, the most valuable advice that you would get from others was really buried in forms. So I wanted to make this information of advice and tidbits from other moms searchable findable, connectable to other mothers. So we started with the generic idea of Lipstick Wisdom was, you know, women helping women. And at the time, a lot of the information on the web was very expert-based. But really where you find the most practical day-to-day information is from other women, other mothers. So the idea was to make it a video-based database of information, And I started out with neurological challenges because you, you, you just have day-to-day challenges. For instance, you know, when we were preparing to go away for a weekend, we would have to discuss it with my son about two weeks beforehand. Where are we going? What are we doing? Who are we staying with? Who will be there? And someone said to me, you know, just make a Shutterfly book of some of your favorite trips. And so I did, and so now I could bring out these books. We could go through the photos together. He could remember what fun he had. He could hold the books and sleep with the books. And it really made the whole transition easier. Um, and so the idea of the website was just to provide daily actionable information like that in order to help, you know, other mothers. Is that That's still it. up and running? No, it's not. So when I started the business, um, you know, niche sites were really supported by advertisers. And there was a major business model change in that the advertisers then went to major sites. So if you weren't a Yahoo or an ESPN, mm, right. they weren't interested. And this was really before ad networks mm-hmm. had really gotten strong. Um, foothold in the marketplace so right. it was there was no way to monetize and quite honestly what i discovered was when you start up a business it's 24 7 and uh-huh. whereas the business was started from a passion very near and dear to my heart
1: living it 24 7 was not easy Right in, so, right. in addition to your other full-time position. right, right.
3: So living it both professionally and personally was very challenging.
1: Yeah.
3: Carol, so when you... the business model shifted? I decided to shut the company down.
1: Yeah. Do you do you have any other you know plans to, to do something with it again or do you feel that there's eno- enough resources out there for for families? I don't know um, the answer to that. Um, Well, maybe as of today you don't, but, (laughs)
3: right? Yeah. The answer could be yes. I definitely would love to start another business again, mm-hmm. but honestly, Dream It takes about 500% of my time. <laughs> I bet, yeah.
1: <laughs> I Here, haven't given it much thought. Here's a question. How many, how many businesses do you work with at one, any one time? And do you keep a limit on it so that you can sleep?
3: <laughs> so there's two different answers to that question. When we run um, a program, it's called an accelerator cycle, we work with 8 to 15 companies during a cycle. So as you might imagine, anytime you're working with a startup company, it's very resource and time intensive. So we try to keep our classes very small. Um, we'll have anywhere from 300 to 1,500 applications for those 8 to 15 spots.
1: Wow. Wow.
3: Having said that, um, you know, we do have a fund that does follow-on investments in the companies. At this point, I have 106 companies in the portfolio.
1: <laughs> wow. So
3: my personal time is um, I'm, I'm dealing with, Probably five to ten of the portfolio companies every week. Right. Just on, you know, whatever issues are going on at the time. Issues meaning good things, not
1: necessarily bad things, but mm-hmm. whatever happening at the time. And do they have to be at a certain point in their business to work with you? Are there some parameters?
3: No, because we get equity in the companies for the hands-on work that we do. Mm-hmm. And then we purchase more equity through the fund. So any company that we work with comes into my portfolio because we own equity in that company.
2: Right. So now, that's like your sweat equity. Part of, Part of it is sweat equity because you're giving them more value, most likely, than what they're paying you because you're going to be invested in the future success of the company.
3: Oh, they don't pay yes. us they don't they don't to participate oh. in the program no we don't get paid we um, in fact we give the companies a small amount of capital called a stipend so then you
1: so, they' they're, so you work, they get the stipend and you work with them and then your um, compensation is from the success of the business yeah. Exactly. Okay. Wow. That it seems you know you're taking a risk and really um, needing to be selective, I guess, in who yep, yep, and who you decide to work with.
3: And our program's not an easy program. So the focus behind what we do is bringing together the expertise of the DreamIt team as as well as our entire network to help the entrepreneur achieve. What typically takes them 12 to 24 months to achieve on their own, ideally in three to six months. Hence the term accelerate.
1: Yes, that's so a we're, big difference. We're
3: pouring, yeah, we're pouring so many resources onto these companies, um, and especially in the health sector, we have fabulous strategic partners here in Philadelphia. We work with Penn Medicine and Independence Blue Cross. And we have nearly a 100% success rate in having those companies have a pilot with either one or both of them after the four-month program, which, wow. you know, as Beth probably knows, that's typically a 12- to 24-month yeah, to, uh, sales to get anything cycle through right a hospital,
2: Yeah, to get anything through a hospital that fast is just – that's why I sent your link to my CEO, because uh, we have some plans. So maybe we'll get to know each other even better. That That sounds
1: great. That would be great. And do do all your programs take place um, at your offices, Karen, or do you ever go to people's place of work? So we actually do have a program for
3: corporations um, called uh, Dream It Innovate. Mm -hmm. Um, The old brand name was Open Canvas. So, for instance, we worked with – A couple of entrepreneurial teams out of Children's Hospital here in Philadelphia. Great. And help them. um, So the process is we work with the corporation to help them identify their internal opportunities that have the most promise. Mm -hmm. And then with the executive management team of, you know, for instance, CHOP, we choose the most promising one. We bring them into our accelerator program and work with them and then the corporation has the opportunity to either, you know, start a new product line or start a new division or eventually spin something out.
1: Right that's great that's great you know Karen we only have a moment left and I didn't get through half my questions (laughs) I'm sure Beth and I could talk to you all day Um, but I thank you so much for taking time out of your very very busy schedule to share your story with us on Women to Watch oh thanks for having me do we have time for one piece of advice yes please don't be afraid to be afraid excellent Ah. excellent
2: that's, that's I'm, I'm going I'm I'm going to use the sixty percent rule now. So whenever I'm sixty <laughs> percent, <Right>. I'm in. <laughs> me too, <laughs> me too.
1: Great, great advice, Karen. And uh, thanks again for for being with us today, Beth. Thank you for joining us as well from the hospital. And have a great day. Have a great week, everybody. Have a great week, everyone. And, and please check out our website at womentowatch.net. dot net. That's women, the number dot net.